Let me welcome you to um, uh, our 2015 missions conference, which is probably the uh, 21st or second of these that we've had over the years. Uh, we do it this time of year every year. Uh, if you're new to Grace Van, this is what we, this is how we kick off our missions conference with this kind of um, this kind of format that you'll see before you tonight. Um, but before I, I get going, I need to make several announcements that um, Jonathan has uh, made me make. Um, but this is one he didn't make me make. Um, guys, I think you know that most of the, the mission's monies that are, that are spent here um, at Grace Van or distributed here are distributed by a committee, uh, the Grace Venture Strategy Committee, which meets twice a month, and they uh, take all these requests, and, uh, and they try to sort out what's, uh, what's a good thing and, and give and hold accountable, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, if you are on that committee here tonight, would you stand, um, uh, if you're part of that Grace Venture Strategy Committee, stand up. <clears throat> there's a couple of them. There's three, four. There's more, five, six, seven. The, these guys... <clears throat> Uh, if you don't like the way the mission's money are, are spent, uh, her name is Nadia Alm, and her, her, her email address is... <laughs> but we feel like that's the best way to do it. It's, um, there's a lot of uh, mistakes that are made in mission spending. Uh, with 12 heads looking at it, at least we can minimize our mistakes. We're, we make mistakes too. But we try to minimize those mistakes via that committee. So, uh, I just wanted you to know that. But um, <clears throat> And now we have the other committee that, um, <laughs> that I don't know um, what they're here for. Um, <sighs> this committee is here because they like ice cream and they heard there was some in the room, I, I guess. <laughs> that girl likes my jokes. Uh, could you stick around a little bit, honey? I... I <clears throat> I need the help. Um, let me, let me, uh, a couple of, three or four things. You know, Sunday night we have this thing called the Taste of Grace. It's just giant church picnic out back. And it's, if the, if the night is pretty, you do not want to stay home. And it's just a delightful evening. There's going to be bluegrass bands all over and, and just some, some fun little sweet things. So, um, but we are cooking the, um, desserts this year. So the food is going to be out there, but we're bringing the dessert. So uh, if you can um, uh, make a dessert, um, uh, do they need to tell anybody, Jonathan? Uh, Nikki Stewart's in charge of it, but you don't have to say anything. Just bring them, bring them out there. <clears throat> bring your favorite, your 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 prize-winning, award-winning dessert um, uh, uh, Sunday night, and some of us fat people would uh, really appreciate that. Um, you know, we, we sell wristbands for use for you to go through the line and eat. You can get those Sunday morning if you, you like. Um, same price as Wednesday night, $25 max, no matter if you have 10 kids or no kids. Uh, no, no, that's not true. Um, uh, <clears throat> it's $5 per person, but a maximum of $25. And then finally... Uh, don't forget a Saturday seminar that we're having here. Uh, there will be four seminars from which you can, you can select two. It starts at 9 a.m. in the morning, and uh, we'll be out of here by 11.15 that morning, and there'll be donuts and bagels and coffee for you here. And of the four offerings, you select two of those and go to the seminars that, you, that most interest you. Hope to see you uh, Saturday morning. Now, this time... We use to interview some of the um, ministries with which we have an involvement. Um, we have time for three. We have about ten minutes per per interview, and um, I have three people 
to um, to interview, and um, <clears throat> I would tell you that there is a beauty and that there is a beast. Um, the beast will be last. The beauty will be first. Tari, why don't you come up here? <clears throat> come on down, child. I don't know. Let's see here. I think um, I think you're wrong. Sit down. May I introduce you to Tari Harris? Tari Harris is the director of the Binghamton Christian Academy, which you probably know of the Binghamton area in Memphis. But the first thing we'd like to know, Tari, is just a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you came from, how you got here. Well, my jokes aren't as funny as yours. But well, um, but you're a lot better looking. <clears throat> Hold on. What do we What do we got here? It's on. I'd crank her up. All right, good evening, everybody. Good evening. You know, I'm a teacher at heart, so let's try this again. Good job. Thank you. I'm Tari Harris, and I'm the head of school at Binghamton Christian Academy. And this is my seventh year at the school. I am born and raised in Memphis. I went to Christian Brothers University for undergraduate. Um, I got my master's degree at University of Mississippi and my specialist degree at Union University in Jackson. And I love Memphis and I love serving the Binghamton community. Or did you did you teach school before you got this job? I did. I was a teacher for five years in Memphis City Schools at Cherokee Elementary, and then I became an assistant principal. And then I became at, at BCA. You became the assistant. No, I was an assistant principal in um, Memphis City Schools at Cherokee Elementary, and I ended um, my stint with Memphis City Schools at Cape Bond Elementary. Okay, all right. Now that's enough about. I mean, that's something about Tari. Not enough, obviously. But tell us, um, tell us about the school. Yay! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love to do. Uh, Being here for Christian Academy, we were formerly called the Neighborhood School. We recently um, rebranded and changed our name just so that people would know the um, neighborhood that we serve and that we are a Christian school. Um, the main reason, which I probably shouldn't say, is we got sick of when we said the neighborhood school. People would say, what neighborhood? And we would say the neighborhood school in Binghamton, and they would be so confused. <laughs> so the name change has helped a lot. Uh, we <clears throat> service children who live in the Binghamton community. The only requirement that we have um, for children to go to our school is that they live in Binghamton and that we have space for them. The whole purpose of our school, which was founded by um, Joe Walt 20 years ago, was to give Binghamton, the Binghamton community, which was considered one of the worst statistically in Memphis, um, the crime rate was um, the worst across the city. But to give those parents a um, private Christian school that they could afford, uh, for years they only paid $100 to attend there. Um, now they only pay $200. Families only pay $200 a year. So we fundraise um, what would be a $7,000 tuition for each child. And Binghamton um, is an area in Memphis that has um, several refugee families. So we have over 60% um, African refugee families that are at our school. Uh, we, the, one of the things that makes us unique is that we have children who live on campus as well. We have 133 kids. 
33 of them live with us during the school week. So we have a dorm, a girls' dorm and a boys' dorm. Um, and we have dorm parents that take care of them during the week. And it's a very sweet environment. Um, a lot of volunteers pour into us. Actually, um, your missions committee um, gave us money recently, and we were able to purchase a vehicle because once our students leave um, our school, we um, most of them go to French Camp Academy in French Camp, Mississippi, which is about three hours south of here, and it's a boarding school. But we continue the, to be in their lives, so we go and pick them up on holidays and bring them back home and we get them to and from school. So you all have to, to be able to continue to do that. But, but uh, apparently your school just goes to what grade? We go to the 8th grade. We're pre-K through 8th grade. So after the 8th grade, they're on, they don't have to go to French camp. No, they don't have to go to French camp, but the majority of our students do. What we um, do is we try to handpick a school that would be a good fit for our students. So we have partnerships with other schools such as ECS. Um, they give our students a scholarship as well, and we partner with collegiate school in Memphis, but we kind of hand place our students into a high school where they won't get lost and fall between the cracks. Okay, so how did you develop this relationship with the FCA, the French Camp Academy? You know, we support them as well. Did you know that? I do. Okay, so how did y'all, how did y'all hook up? Um, the founder, Mrs. Walt, just had always had a connection with them because she was very adamant that she didn't want the students to leave our school and go to East High School and be in a back in a bad environment. So she sought out French Camp and made that partnership so that our students about that? could get there. That's all right, and you've got 133 students, and how many of those are? Did you say uh, refugees? Uh, Is that the right word? Yes. Okay. Over 60% of our total student population are from refugee families. So are they coming from Muslim backgrounds? Um, very few of them are. Um, over the seven years that I've been there, maybe only two families come from Muslim backgrounds. Most of them have already converted to Christianity by the time that they get here. How about, okay, do you find that the parents of these children are reluctant to give you their children to keep them all week? Not at all. Uh, they... <laughs> well, I've got a couple I'd like to give you as well. Um... <laughs> um, we, over the years, we built um, just a very trusting relationship with our families. Many of the um, that population are large families, so um, we've gotten generations of them. Um, some of the kids that go to the school now, their parents went there. So um, we've just been able to build that trusting relationship. And the parents of these students who live with us, they come. They can come anytime they want. We invite them to have dinner with us, to come to continue what? to be a part of their lives. And the one thing I didn't say that... Um, the reasons why uh, many of them stay with us vary. Um, some just because the parents are not educated enough to help them academically and come from the Arabic-speaking homes. Um, others have um, harsher circumstances, and so we just make it a point to really know our families, to know what the need is, and to be sure that those particular kids are in a safe, loving environment. Okay, tell us about your teachers. What, how big is the staff? Uh, we have 10 teachers. We have one class per grade. So I have 10 classes, pre-K through 8, one class of each grade. And then I have a dorm staff. So total staff, 
Uh, we have about 15. Um, our teachers, um, most of them have been with us for a few years. Um, they just have a passion for both ministry work and for education. You have to have both, not mm-hmm. just one or the other. So that's a, a thing we pride ourselves on is knowing that we're school, but we're also in ministry. Okay, final question. BCA um, calls herself a Christian school. How does she flesh that out in terms of trying to educate these 133 students? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> well, we... Okay, let me give you a hard one. Um, <laughs> what is the square root of... Uh... <laughs> now, that would be... <clears throat> um, we just really... We go through... A lot of schools kind of separate. You go to Bible and then you just go on with your regular day. But um, throughout our entire day... Um, We start our day with um, a special time called family time where we all gather together, kind of like a time like this. We have a little praise and worship, and we pray with the kids, and then they go throughout their day. But throughout their day, we're infusing just those biblical principles in their lives, and um, especially our middle school students are able to give that back to the lower school. If you haven't been by our school, I would love for you to come and just see what we do. Well... Tori, that is very impressive. But I will say, there, I have seen, and not, not everywhere, but um, Christian schools that tack on a Bible course and call themselves a Christian school, and yet it does not infiltrate the, the whole uh, experience right. of, of the student. We have special times throughout our year. Like, for example, um, we have a spiritual retreat that takes place with our kids and our staff every single year where we go out to um, Country Place in Moscow, Tennessee, which um, happens to be the founder's property. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people go out there, church groups and things of that nature, and we go have this special time and we set the tone for our school year. Like our theme for this year is humility. And um, we just make sure that it's never-ending. Our teachers, we're um, constantly... Um, growing spiritually together. Uh, we have weekly sessions um, that we meet together and we do spiritual things. So it's like a never-ending. Very impressive, dear. Thank Very, you. Thank you so have much you for your time. Oh, I, yes, and I loved it when I was there. It was, it was, I, I didn't get to meet you, though. <laughs> thank you, babe. <clears throat> um, Steve Moses, where are you? Come on down here, Steve. Um, there he comes. Steve Moses is with World Relief. Um, there seems to be a lot of relief needed by this world. Uh, is there not room? Steve, um, let me start the way I started with Tari. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you come from? Uh, how'd you get here? Et cetera. Sure. Thanks for having me tonight. Um, I grew up in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, and then after that, I went to Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. And then God uh, changed a lot uh, when I was there. And kind of uh, give me to understand that the Bible is not centered on Steve Moses. You write that down. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it's actually about his glory among the nations. And it changed me so much that I said, well, we got to be doers of the word. So let's go reach the nations. And uh, after college, I moved to the Middle East, uh, lived hmm. in Cairo. For a couple of years, uh, spent some time there, and then uh, came back to the United States right before 9/11. Um, so came back loving Muslims to a country that had some questions about Muslims. Mm-hmm. And my family had moved from Mississippi up to Memphis, Tennessee, 
And uh, so I've been here for 14 years now and working with internationals in a variety of capacities. Um, uh, part of that time was also working at Germantown Baptist for a few years and then working with Cross Union Health Services for a while and then uh, over the past three years working with World Relief, a couple of refugees. Okay, tell us what War Relief does. So uh, War Relief has been around 70 years and we're the only evangelical refugee resettlement agency in America. That's a lot right there. So let's say what that is. So we're the only agency in America that's bringing in internationals and we're saying we want to share the love of Jesus with them with word and deed. And uh, we've been in Memphis for three years. And so what's a refugee? Let's pause there for a second because we're hearing a lot about refugees right now. So a refugee by definition is someone that's fleeing persecution or war because of race, religion, nationality, political affiliation, social party they're part of. People are trying to harm them or they have a fear that they're going to be harmed so they're fleeing for their lives. So we're helping bring them over by the federal government and the state are helping us do that. And people are saying, how do, you, how do we do that? Right? That's part of the process. And we help with the whole realm of that. We meet them at the airport and then we have to go, we have to find housing for them. We have to put everything in that apartment, right? So go into an apartment, everything in that. Help them find jobs, get the kids enrolled in school, um, and then help them with all their social services and a variety of different things. So I have a team of 10 that help me with that. Uh, we have a lawyer on staff who also helps with uh, green cards and citizenship and bringing their family over. So it's a wide variety of different things that we help with. So. Okay. The United States State Department just um, announced that we're going to be taking, uh, I think it was 120,000 of the, of the Syrian, Afghanistanian uh, um, refugees. Could some of those end up with you through your agency? That's correct. They can. So um, right now, before all this with the Syrian crisis... Um, the past few years, the President of the United States and then Congress and then the State Department set the number that we had 70,000 refugees come to the United States. 70,000. Putting that perspective, there's about 18 million refugees in the world today. And about 45 million displaced people. 45 million displaced people, 18 million refugees, we get 70,000. It's less than 1%. Do the math. You're trickling down less than 1%. Memphis, we get about 200. Okay. Now I want you to know, I used to really hate that. I wanted to have more. And God really convicted me. Does the Church of Memphis love the 200 that are coming? Do we love them well? Why would God give us 2,000, right? So we'll get some. We've already had some Syrians. People ask this question. We do have some Syrians that have come to Memphis. We have a few families that are here in Memphis. But we have a wide variety. People from Somalia, Nepal, Congo, Sudan, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, across the board are coming to Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, brother, if, if the government is committing, say, 200 refugees to you, do they, do they know that yours is a Christian agency? Yeah, so we're fairly recognized. So there's nine agencies that do what we do that are fairly recognized, okay? So Catholic Charities. Catholic Charity, yeah. We've been doing that since 1975 to 2012. They did that in Memphis, Tennessee. Refugees have been coming to Memphis since 1975, Okay. In 2012, they said, we're not going to do refugee services anymore. We're going to wow, do I didn't know things. that. So War Relief, the agency I work for, is the only agency that helps with refugees in the capacity of this in Memphis, Tennessee. And so of those nine agencies that do that, there's a Lutheran one, there's an Episcopal one, there's a Jewish one, there's an a Ethiopian one. Of those, most of them are affiliated with some denomination. And we all have to sign an agreement saying that we agree to do these services with it. And in that agreement... It says that they want us to get congregations involved. 
The federal government says that. We'd like for you to get congregations involved. Because if all of us had to leave, and all of us for some reason we fled, and we went up to, I would go to Canada, I wouldn't go down south because I don't speak Spanish, so I'm going to go up to Canada, go up there, we're there for a while, and then all of a sudden we get moved and we go to China, for example. What's going to help us in China? The same thing that helped me when I lived in Egypt. An Egyptian helped me in Egypt. A Chinese person is going to help us get around China. What's going to help a refugee come to Memphis, Tennessee? A Memphian. You know the language, you know the culture, you know how to get around. And so that's what we ask people to come alongside and just live life with these refugees. Okay, so you're not simply providing an apartment and furnishings. Are you aggressively trying to share the gospel with these people who are coming in? Well, it depends on what you mean by aggressively. So um, Mm. I I would say that in uh, the way that you go about sharing the gospel with anybody, I think, is in a relationship. Um, I think that you get to know them. You ask questions or ask them questions of you, and you're sharing those things. So have we seen people that have come through World Relief that were of a different religion come to Christ? Yes. Yes. Do we have people uh, that come in and ask for literature? Do we have literature that we give out if they ask for that? It's in our office in multiple languages if they want to have that. But here's the thing. We're not sitting there saying, you know, Jimmy, before I help you get a job, I need to tell you something real fast. Jesus loves you, and here's a whole spiel on that. And Jimmy's like, listen, I'm a Muslim. I'm not, why, why are you telling me that? We don't do that, right? Because I hope none of us do that. I hope, I hope that we're sharing the love of Christ. And that's why I say we want to do it with word and deed, but we're definitely sharing that. As well. Well, could you tell us why Catholic Charities uh, pulled out of Memphis, or did they just stop it altogether? Catholic Charities is still in Memphis, Tennessee. Let me state that. They're not doing refugee work. So uh, my friend over there, Mike Allen, is the CEO and president. Um, he even agreed to help bring War Relief here. He was one of the ones that even said, I think that's a great idea. They, the, I don't work for Catholic Charities. I can't speak for them, but I can tell you that the official stance was it just came down to funding for them. Okay. Okay, brother. You, um, you drove out here tonight. You see where we live. Um, this, I've been told, is the wealthiest zip code in the state of Tennessee. We don't, um, we, we don't uh, rub shoulders that often with the refugee community. Um, when we see things on the news about what's happening in Europe, et cetera, et cetera, we, we form opinions, um, many of which are um, probably not very good ones. Sure. Tell us. Give us, give us your, um, I, I was going to say opinion, but your slant on what's happening in Europe right now and how should we Christians be thinking about that? Yeah, I'm going to say two things. One, I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you God's word. Um, I like that even better. Uh, my opinion, you can just throw out the window and leave that. So one thing I'll say is that the largest Islamic center is here on Houston Levy and right down the road from it. Right? Um, the fact is, you may be in the wealthiest part, but you know that in, it may not be refugees. It may be the fact you go over to Carville and that there's almost 10,000 Indians that live near there that are working with FedEx, right? So I want to say, one, you're probably without excuse. It's not about location. They're all around us. So two, I'd also say because Acts 17, 26 says that God, from one man, he created every nation, and he ordained the times and places that they would live so that they would seek God. So here's the thing. They're leaving Syria. They're leaving Afghanistan. They're leaving Somalia. They're leaving Nepal. Not just because of war and conflict. The Bible tells us that they're leaving and having those ordained places that come into Memphis, Tennessee, so that they would maybe seek God because he's not far from all of us. Right? That's the Bible. 
The other thing is, he tells us hospitality. The word hospitality. My mom's a Southern belle, born and raised here in Memphis, Tennessee. Loves, you know, loves that Southern hospitality. But biblical hospitality means to love strangers. It is a commandment to be an elder in the church. You have to be hospitable. It also, we're told to do it without complaining. So that's what I would say. Are we loving strangers? Can we redeem the word hospitality and say, hey, listen, we want to have a great picnic. That's going to be fun. I would don't want to come to that. We're going to have great desserts. That's what we want to be about. But biblical hospitality means, you know what? We're going to hang out with people that maybe look different than us, talk different than us, right? Because that's what the Bible is asking us to do. Final question. Yeah. What kind of um, six? I'm, what kind of impact are we having in the Muslim world, just from your vantage point? So we, if we're talking about we, I don't know. If we're talking about we as the global church, I think it's a significant impact. I really do. Um, there's a great book called Miraculous Movements. You can write that down. You can read about how God is moving in the Muslim world. Um, I think God's doing amazing things. We're seeing Muslims come to Christ here. Um, the church that I'm a part of happens to be the same one that this man in the blue shirt is also a part of. Um, we, we, hear, we hear stories of all kind of things from Afghanistan to Ethiopia to the Middle East. God is moving, right? We know that. We see that. We believe that. I think that it's easy to report other things, but a lot of the stories that are really happening I think that we're seeing that God's moving in, in my ears. Okay, I can't let you go. Um, um, <clears throat> are we... I, I don't know that I speak for anybody, but maybe my own sinful self. Really? Okay. Um, I have a certain fear of Islam slash Muslim. You're not the only one in the room. Okay, help me out. Help us out. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Steve. Uh, <laughs> that was wonderful, profound. Uh, again, we're going to stick to Scripture. The Holy Spirit says He goes with us, and we need not be afraid. I think also the thing is that it separates us from others. And the reason that I know Muslims who have come to Christ, they said, "Listen, our book tells us to seek revenge." And I study your book, and I look at it. Thing that, one of the things that stands out to us is it says that we're going to love our enemies. That's radical. We're going to love our enemies. That, that translates across all cultures. Why would you love somebody that's, quote, wanting to harm you and be your enemy? The Bible tells us to pray for those who persecute us, right? Um, he also tells us in Luke 10.3, I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves. Now, I don't know much about sheep and much about wolves, but I know this, that sheep get eaten by wolves, but also know that he says he goes with us. He's our good shepherd. So are we hanging out with wolves? Because that's what he tells us to be doing, not just hanging out with other sheep. So I think that the reality is, I would ask you this, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you actually, I want you to think through this, how many of you actually have a friend, an acquaintance, a neighbor, a co-worker that is Muslim, right? So that's the thing, is you have, you have that relationship, or getting away from Muslims to this is Mahmoud. And I know Mahmoud. And I'm getting to know his story. That tomorrow is the largest Muslim holiday. Tomorrow. The largest Muslim holiday. They're celebrating the fact that Abraham sacrificed his son. Did you know that? Not Isaac. Well, they say his son. Yeah. Um, uh, but the reality is, do we know those things? Do we learn in that? Do we know that 
India Fest is coming up November 1st, and it's going to be right down the street, right? Do you know those things? Are you learning about that? Are we being listening learners and walking to humility and uh, asking questions of one another? Thanks, brother. It's good to hear those things. We, uh, we don't get to hear them much. Thanks. Um, I, I promised you a beast, and I do not want to disappoint you. Rick? <laughs> so admit it. Moses is the beast. No, 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 no. You are the beast. Sit down and shut up. Um, <clears throat> Uh, guys, maybe you know Rick. Um, I spend a little bit of time with Rick from time to time. Um, uh, Rick left a Christ community and has created this new thing called Resurrection Health. Tell them all about it. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you, Grace Van uh, I'm sorry? Did you turn it off? Is it off? Yeah, it's off. Right. There we go. Um, so I was offering the perfunctory greetings to you, I think, before the other. No, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Your pastor has been a pastor to me. You just mentioned that I, I love Christ Community. Christ Community is the healthcare ministry that, that we founded in 1995, 20 years ago, and we had a just a terrible, um, embarrassing divorce with the board of directors, and most of us felt compelled to leave, and, and my co-founder, David Pepperman, and I did that, and, and a, about a year ago, we founded Resurrection Health. So it's very much the same sorts of things that we did at Christ Community. It's predicated mostly on providing primary health care in the most underserved medical areas of the city. Most of us live in this, those communities. This is Binghampton night here um, at Gracie Van. Um, I, I was a board member for the neighborhood school for many years, and my family and I live there. Steve's parents, who you just heard, uh, live in our neighborhood too. So my kid, uh, my 10-year-old kid, has for three years participated in a, a Memphis Gridiron Ministries football team that you all made possible for my neighbors in, in Binghampton. It's amazing and great and fantastic. So for, for our neighbors, I thank you for your involvement in our community. To you, I thank you because even in the difficulties that I've been through in the last year and a half, your pastor has been a pastor to me, uh, Susie, and to my wife, Laurie. Um, he loaned me a book that was helpful to him when he was going through difficulties. Uh, uh, Dr. Uh, physician uh, Lloyd Jones about the book of Romans that really was very helpful. And he took it back. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't love you that much. Yeah. <laughs> Health care for the poor. Uh, there's a report in the newspaper this past week, 47% of children in Shelby County live in poverty. And... Um, Steve Moses was rabble-rousing and challenging and prodding you, and I, I, I do the same thing in the, in the realm of health care. Just, just as we have a two-tier education system where many of us have the ability to get great educations and some of us have, have horrible educational options, uh, the same is true in health care. If you have health insurance or a way to pay for it, you, you probably will get too much health care. The joke I tell is that if you're driving down Wolf River Parkway here, you better roll up your window or you'll get a heart scent. You're not <laughs> in, in many parts of Shelby County, there's little or no health care, what people call health care deserts. So beginning in 95 in South 3rd Street, uh, the 20 years of Christ community, now we're in Parkway Village. Resurrection Health is in Parkway Village in Whitehaven. Lord willing, we'll be in Fraser in, in a, a month or two, and we will continue to try to expand primary health care for poor 
people, about 40% of our patients every day are children or kids. Okay, um, I went to see his clinic on American Way, but there was one other thing that he, he, he made me go look at. I don't know whether how many, uh, if you remember this, but the first apartment my wife and I had, we were married in 1970, it was in the Cottonwood Apartments, uh, it wasn't called Cottonwood, but it was at the corner of Getwell and uh, Perkin, uh, Winchester, I think. Nidart. Nidart, Nidart right. Um, and across the street from that was a hospital. A hospital that used to be called what, Rick? It was initially Doctor's Hospital and then for many years Eastwood Hospital. Eastwood Hospital. And then it kind of just about closed down. Tell them what's happened out there now. It's still about to close down. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we have, uh, we've opened a health center close by and we are now about 50 or so doctors and mid-level providers. So we take care of a lot of people and we, we are have been for about four years training young doctors. One of the things that we hope to do is bring young disciples of Jesus in living in these communities and learning how to do healthcare among the poor. And so while we're still Christ community, we started a family medicine residency training program that's moved to resurrection. And I'm sorry, and we're, we're doing much of the hospital training of those residents at Delta Medical Center, which is what Eastwood is. The emergency room. We staff the emergency department 24 7, 365. If any of you have an emergency, there's a pretty good chance you'll see me if you come to the Delta Hospital. You'll see some other things there, too, for sure. It's Parkway Village. And Delta is also a psych hospital. So it's a combination of psychiatric care and medical and surgical care. And it's a community hospital for the poor in Parkway Village. But an emergency room, brother and sister, think of that. That community has an emergency room that's, that's staffed completely by... <laughs> okay, also, um, uh, we went upstairs on the second floor or something, and we met this wonderful woman who told me that they were averaging like nine patients a night, and now they were up to... Yeah, in the mid-20s, I think, and <laughs> they're seeing more patients. <laughs> From 9 to 26. That's right. right. So, Lord willing, that will continue to happen. And uh, There's a place for a place like Delta Medical Center, even in a city that's got gigantic Baptist and Methodist. And there's a place for Christian disciples to, to love and care for poor, just as Steve talked about how we can love and care for, for refugees and aliens. Okay, one other thing. Um, I'm a part of a denomination. I think you know that. It's the Presbyterian Church in America. The Presbyterian Church in America um, spent a million dollars trying to plant a church downtown in a very uh, under-resourced neighborhood. Um, For that million-dollar investment over several years, you know what we have to show for it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Tell them about the church network. <clears throat> I really love your pastor, but this is... <laughs> um, all right, so as quickly as I can, I'll tell you that I'm, I was a First Japan guy for many years. I'm an all-white First Japan mission pastor. They married us, and we moved to Binghampton in 2003. And the first thing I tried to do was bring the people that I was meeting in my health center or the neighborhood to First Japan for church. Hey, you see mentioned in Jesus, what do you say? I pick you up at 10 a.m. We'll go out east where there's more white people than you've ever seen before. <laughs> We'll play some songs they wrote in Franklin, Tennessee. We'll right <laughs> <laughs> that did 
not work well. We tried some other things. Um, we tried to connect to some of the African-American uh, churches there, which is not a bad idea. Some of our people still do that. But, but honestly, at least in Binghampton, the, the seemingly successful African-American churches are mostly commuter churches, meaning there are people who have a historic connection perhaps to the neighborhood, but they are, like us, middle class or better. And so there's a still was a huge group of unchurched, unreached people in the core of Binghampton. And so we did something at the recommendation of a, a medical missionary that we'd known for many years who had been working in the Muslim world where they do house churches. And you, you all have heard of house churches in relation to China or other places like that. So 10 years ago, we began to meet in one living room, and that, that has grown to, I, I think there are 14 churches now, and they're not just in Binghampton. There are churches in Fraser and Orange Mound, Mitchell Heights, and there are there's no... Um, there are no paid staff, and there are no buildings, uh, but there is, and there's a slow movement, very slow, too too slow for us, movement of indigenous leadership coming up through that network. But it's a few hundred people in, in a, a dozen, or more than a dozen house churches scattered across low-income neighborhoods. <laughs> that, that is just absolutely thrilling for me. All right, one other thing. Um, the theme of this weekend has to do with the forgotten kids of Shelby County. How many kids do you see in your, uh, in your uh, clinics and, um, and the hospital? Yeah, so um, many, not all, but many of the people who come to our health centers are poor enough to qualify for Medicaid. And you know that Medicaid is government-provided health insurance, poor paying, typically health insurance for the poor. And that's almost all women and women of childbearing age and children. And so at least half of the people, the 200 people we saw today probably were kids. Less at the emergency department. Less at the, more at the clinic and less at the emergency. And how many, how many um, uh, patients are you seeing at that emergency room annually? Uh, We have seen 27,600 in the last 12 months. That's a medium volume ER. Uh, yeah. And we've seen some of them 30 times. <laughs> well, that's just one of, the, one of the problems that you have to confront. I told that lady, sorry, so I was like, you could take my entire extended family and add all of the ER visits in their life together. You win. <laughs> Thank you for that anecdote. Uh, Rick Donnan, listen, there are lots of people around here who represent ministries. Before, um, before I dismiss this, would you stand up real quick if you're representing a ministry here? Just, yes. <clears throat> My simple point is, uh, say hello to these folks before they get out of this room, y'all. You won't get to see them for another year, unfortunately. Um, but maybe, maybe not. So um, let me dismiss this and uh, we'll go get some ice cream. <clears throat> Our Father, um, some of the things that we have heard tonight have made us pretty uncomfortable. Um, we're, um, we're quick to, um, to take great pleasure and comfort in our theological precision. And yet there is um, a whole lot of uh, need around us that we, um, we do not um, take as seriously as we do our theological positions. Uh, forgive me, Lord, and others uh, who might have sinned like me. 
But thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being involved in these things, these ministries around our city. Would you, um, would you grant them grace to accomplish things that, that apart from that grace they could not accomplish? Keep them from danger and then use them to introduce all of their, um, their patrons. Might all of them hear about the beauty of the crucified and risen Christ. We, um, we exist, Lord, as a church to broadcast the message about him. Help us and them as we uh, attempt to help them. We commit ourselves to that and we do so, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.